Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome everyone to the Grad School Fun Train Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette, and today I have another wonderful guest who's gonna be talking to us all about gap years, rejection, and reapplying to grad programs. Our guest is Adriana Jaramillo. She is a 23-year-old first-generation Chicana college student. She went to Santa Monica Community College and then transferred to UCLA where she earned a BA in psychology with minors in Chicanx studies and educational studies. She's currently reapplying to MA programs in educational policy with an emphasis in higher education. She's also interested in student access and success. Welcome to the podcast, Adriana. All right, Adriana, I would love for you to get us started by sharing a little bit more about yourself, your background, your backstory, your personal professional trajectory, and anything else you want to share with us that'll help us get to the topic of today. Yeah, definitely. So um, as you have very well put, um, I am 23 years old. I had just graduated from UCLA. Um, I am, or I was a former community college student, so um, I guess most people would consider that non-traditional um, into higher education, right? Uh, but I actually had a lot of great experiences uh, transferring from community college into uh, a four-year institution. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to come on here and talk about my experiences in terms of uh, applying to go directly into a grad program, not working out, um, and then kind of what I have been doing uh, during this gap year in order to reapply um, and kind of reevaluating uh, really, do I want to go to grad school or is it something that was kind of um, something that everyone else was doing? So I wanted to follow. So it's kind of more of reflection and um, being able to reassure myself um, and seek out resources and help uh, in order to pursue that. I really appreciate that you mentioned that. Well, one that you mentioned that you went to the CC and had a fairly great experience. I've heard really wonderful things about SMC and uh, folks that have transferred from there. So that's, that's great that you've had that experience. And then also to talk to us about the importance of reflecting, because I know for a lot of us, there is this pressure of like, what are you gonna do next? What are you gonna do next after you graduate? And sometimes, I know in my case, I didn't know what my options were. And so it just only made sense to pursue grad school. And so in having a gap year, in having more time to reflect, you can really determine whether or not that's the path for you. So I'd love to hear more about, about your path, about um, your process of taking a gap year and re reflecting. What has that involved for you? Yeah, so... Um... Actually, when I had graduated from UCLA or was about to uh, during the application season, I reached out to a couple of potential advisors and professors from other institutions that I was really interested in working with, um, whether it be through uh, an assistantship or just kind of doing research on the side. And um, 
one of them actually reached out to me during the gap year and they said, hey, I have space. You know, one of my students uh, was unable to be a part of this. So if you want to jump on the project, we, we can do that. And I was really excited because I know that um, throughout my undergrad career, I would always reach out to professors and I would um, either be rejected or they would not really follow up or just kind of, you know, I'd be um, in, the, in the dark, they wouldn't reach out. So it was just constantly trying to push for, you know, I wanna do research in my gap year. Um, if I don't work, I kinda wanna know what it's like to be in academia, kinda get a feel for it to make sure that it's something I really do want to pursue and not something that, um, you know, I'm being pushed towards uh, because of um, all the talk that I've heard throughout my undergrad career with people trying to go directly um, into grad school. So I think uh, right now that's what I have been doing. Um, more on the non-academic side, I've been able to really enjoy um, spending time with people that I love. I know that, you know, in college, it's really difficult to find the time, um, always being caught up with homework or work. Um, so I, I really do appreciate, you know, all the time that I'm receiving with family and also getting the opportunity to do research um, alongside some amazing people that I've met along the way. When you say um, you're doing research, I know we're still in the middle of the pandemic, um, which feels like it's an endemic. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm curious, what does that look like for you? Are you like physically going into a location? Are you doing research remotely? Uh, I'm just curious about, about that part of it too. Yeah, so um, that's actually a great question. Um, I'm doing everything remotely um, in terms of research. Uh, I know that's a very broad uh, term. Um, I'm doing more of uh, coding, uh, translating documents, um, and kind of just sitting in in meetings in terms of how projects are going to be developed and funding and kind of looking more into the introspective aspects of research. Because I know when um, you hear research, you think, oh, it's a lot of reading and writing and, you know, articles and publishing, but there's so much more that goes along with it. And I'm really blessed to have known um, a, a lot more of the pro the process and um, there is a lot more uh, interesting things and really cool things about research that I never would have thought and without these experiences I probably would have just gone into a grad school setting and thinking it's all writing and reading um, but it's a lot more than that. I, I So yeah you said that you've learned quite a bit from this experience and I know you shared that you reapplied so um what do you think are some of the things that maybe would have helped you in applying your first time around that you think will benefit you the second time around? I think um, just the fact that I didn't really know anyone that went to grad school that was uh, within my own circle. Um, I do know a couple of people through uh, friendships or, or other close relationships that are in grad school or are teaching. Um, at institutions of higher ed, but in terms of close friends and family, I didn't really know where to start. So when I reached out to a couple of people, they were, they just gave me a whole list of things that I didn't even know went into applying grad school, like reaching out to advisors, um, being able to get letters of recommendation, uh, doing a lot of research in terms of funding, um, what kinds of research that advisors are doing, and if it's current research your past research. Um, so I kind of just applied on a whim trying to do all this last minute. And I think that's really where um, 
it, it didn't work out because I was not able to have those resources that maybe others did. Um, and I feel like that was a really good learning experience. Um, although I was bummed out that I was not accepted the first time, I feel like this time around when I did apply, it was more comfortable and I really did feel support from people as I started to say colleagues and scholars and, and academics in the field. Great. Um, I'm just gonna quickly mention that you started to slow down a little bit there, but can you hear me okay right now? Yeah, I can. Okay, great. Um, so if someone were in a similar situation right now, because you're, you're telling me that, you know, for so many of us, if you're trying to apply to grad school and you are a current college student, you already have so much going on that it does feel like a rush. It does feel like um, you don't have enough time to prepare. And if I know plenty of people who are in that same position right now where they maybe applied and were in a rush in the fall or they're last minute trying to figure out a way to apply to master's programs right now and if they are in the position that you were at last year what kind of words of advice would you give to them um, because I, I'll tell you like from my experience the advice I usually give to them is that even if they apply now and they don't feel ready, it's not a waste of time because it's experience, because they can get feedback, because they can reuse, recycle, and refine, strengthen their application. Um, but also, if they don't get in, it's, it's an opportunity to strengthen them, their work and to hopefully get in the second time around. And like you said, have that time of reflection and figure out, do they really want to do this? But I'm curious, like from your perspective, from your lived experience, um, because you've just went through it recently, what kind of words of advice would you tell to someone who's you know closer to a peer? I would definitely echo your sentiments. Um, it's not a bad thing to apply. Um, it's definitely a great experience. I know that I used a lot of materials that I applied from last year, this year, um, and just recycling them and rereading them and having others look over them to really kind of see um, what was I doing then? And then kind of gathering the experiences that I have now with either research internships work and um, how can I kind of mold it and fix it and fit it into what I want to continue to pursue. Um, <clears throat> that is if I were to get into grad school, right? But I also think that um, if it's like a last minute thing, don't feel rushed to apply. Um, I know that, you know, um, I, I was blessed enough to get free waivers. I know it's very expensive to apply, especially nowadays, um, but just don't feel rushed. I know that there's this narrative, especially in undergraduate institutions that are focused in like research um, or R1 institutions that kind of push students to go straight into a research path in grad school. But a lot of students, or I wouldn't say a lot, I would say most students don't really want to take that path. Um, but it's the path that they're kind of um, pushing for students. And I really just want to urge people to reflect like, hey, it's okay, you know. Um, I, I went through this similar process um, when I was applying in a community college. Um, you know, there were certain schools that uh, I got into, others I didn't. Straight out of high school, I did not get into any schools. So reapplying community college, it felt very similar right to reapply and kind of getting that um that feeling of like okay well the first time was definitely a, a learning experience but now that I know more and the knowledge that I've acquired and the support I feel like I'm able to succeed even more 
Um, so I, I guess to, to rephrase, like, yes, you should do it for the experience, but also don't feel pressured to do so if, if it's not really something you want to pursue or you don't feel like you're ready to do so. I completely agree um, I, with everything that you said, because it's true. Sometimes you realize that, you know, what it is that you're doing might be just be due to external pressures and due to fear of disappointing others. And it takes a lot of kind of listening to yourself and reflection to realize whether or not this is something you're doing for you or for other people. And I, I think this is something I talk with my own like friends and circle circle of, of close loved ones. We are all first gen and um, highly educated. And we realized we didn't get a lot of options. Like when we were undergrads, it was just this one strict pipeline and there was there was no here's the other option of industry here's the other option of nonprofit work here's the other option of government work it was just like go straight to grad school research become a professor and that was it and so i'm really glad that you're mentioning that um, and just the importance and also the lesson in rejection i really i want to like echo that sentiment of you going to community college and being proud of that and saying, hey, you know what? I didn't get in the first time around, but then I got in the second time around. That's a huge learning lesson for life because we don't get accepted to everything that we apply to. And um, one thing that, you know, um, I've told my friends is like, no means next. So if someone says no to you, move on to the next thing. And one thing that one of my friends tells me a lot is rejection is redirection. And so if you get rejected, you get redirected to the next thing and the next thing. And so in your case, you know, rejection is redirection. It redirected you to the gap year, to the time to reflect, the time to spend with loved ones and family, to this re really great research opportunity you've had. And you wouldn't have had all of that with you going into a grad program if you hadn't had that rejection. You get what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I love everything that you're saying. Um, I'm wondering, um, in terms of you know, just this cycle, is there anything that you're, you know, what are you concerned about? What are you most excited about? Like the pros, cons of this process, doing it the second time around? Yeah, I think it's really interesting you mentioned that because the first time around when I applied, I actually applied to only doctoral programs. Um, and then this time around, I only applied to only master's programs. And the reason why oh. that is, the reason why that is, is because um, I knew from the jump uh, right after high school, I wanted to do um, a PhD, uh, but obviously back then um, I was more psych focused. So I wanted to go into clinical psychology and it wasn't until I arrived at UCLA and started taking more education courses that I realized I want to go into higher ed, uh, specifically uh, educational policy. And so um, I had a lot of uh, friends and colleagues say like, hey, there's... Um, a lot of schools that don't have the terminal degree, you just, you know, with your PhD, you can do the master's, just apply to the PhD. And uh, I had a lot of research experience in psychology, but not so much in education. So I kind of thought, oh, I don't really know if, you know, I'm going to get in and I don't really have a research focus or advisors that I would want to work with um, at any schools because I haven't done any of my research at that time. So um I feel like now that I'm applying to master's programs, a lot of people, and I have the research that I, uh, the research experience that I do, a lot of my colleagues and friends are like, why didn't you reapply to the PhD, you know? Um, and I think 
looking back for one, it was because I was a little discouraged the first time around. Um, but I think also I felt like the master's degree was a perfect path into the PhD, at least for me, um, only because I felt like with the research experience that I'm currently getting, um, I can further strengthen that in a master's. So that way, when I do end up at the PhD, um, it's I wouldn't say it's easier, but I'd say that um, it wouldn't be as much work to, you know, learn or relearn the things that I already do now. Um, and I feel like that's definitely an advantage for me. Obviously, it's not speaking to the experiences of everyone else. Um, but I feel like that was a good thing to note that, hey, I applied to PhD programs only, now master's only, but it's okay to apply to both. Like, you don't have to limit yourself to one or the other. Yeah, sometimes it's not even just master's or PhD, but rather like, where are the folks that you want to work with or what programs are the best fit for you? And sometimes it might be a master's, sometimes it's a PhD, sometimes it's a combination of both. You get the master's along the way. So I, I, I actually was a little surprised. I was like, oh, wow, you went from only PhDs to now only master's. And then we'll see what comes from this process. I know I'm sure it's going to be like a really big kind of learning lesson for you. Um, what do you hope to do uh, with your uh, master's degree? Like, what are your long-term goals? I'm just, you know, I'd love to hear more about, about that too. Yeah, so um, I actually spoke to um, the professor that I'm currently working with, um, and he asked me the same thing. He's like, hey, so um, I know you eventually want to do the PhD, but once you have your master's, what do you plan on doing? You want to go directly into the PhD? And I, I told him, like, I actually want to get some work experience afterwards. Um, uh, some of my research uh, experience and interests are, are women of color in higher ed specifically how they impact men of color programs. Um, and so I was, I got really interested in that topic. And I think after my master's, I'd probably want to work at either a community college or an institution of higher ed that do have uh, programs that are geared uh, toward both women of color and men of color. Um, and um, I think this was, uh, a passion of mine from a while because when I started working at the community college, I was actually um, a femtor for for young middle school girls, um, and just having that experience and talking to them, and then going to UCLA and being a peer mentor for community college students, it made me feel like, hey, I, I think this is the line of work that I'd want to do um, as uh, as I approach my master's degree. But I eventually do want to do more research once I uh, go to the PhD um, within these areas. Um, of research, particularly because I know that for first gen uh, students of color, um, a lot of these programs, you know, they help us and it makes us feel like we're not alone, um, especially when we're pursuing higher ed in institutions that are predominantly white. Um, so yeah, that's ho hopefully that's that's what I end up doing after I receive my master's. I do think that, you know, if once you complete your master's degree, if you're able to um, land that job at the CC level and figure out what it is that you really want to do within within there, if you if and when you do decide to go back for the PhD, it'll ground you to have that work experience because sometimes in in grad school, especially in PhD programs, you can get a little lost. It it can take four, six, eight, sometimes even longer years to finish. And it, it can be hard to sustain motivation or remember the reason why you started to begin with. And so 
um, I do want to push more towards uh, telling folks to try to have some or to open themselves up to gaining some work experience. I know that's something I wish I had had um, prior to starting my PhD programs, more work experience to, again, to ground me, to remind me that there, there is a life outside of academia and that, you know, the work that I do matters. And, you know, it's just, it helps to combat even feelings of imposter syndrome because you're like, no, I know that I can do X, Y, and Z. I know that I have a certain skill set. I know that I'm needed here. And so I really like that. I really um, appreciate you coming here to share about your, um, your experience thus far and also your vision, your goals. And I know you're gonna make a big impact. Um, we need more folks at the CC level. I mean, that's one of the things I'm like, dang, I wish I would have. Um, and I still have the opportunity um, to work at the CC level because there's just a lot of really good work um, there, a lot of really amazing students and, I don't think we're pushing for that opportunity enough, uh, especially at the R1 institutions, especially like um, institutions like UCLA. I, I didn't often feel like I was encouraged to pursue a career at the community college. So that's great. Do you have any other words of advice that you'd like to share with students um, who are on kind of similar journeys as you? Yeah, I would definitely say um, don't feel like there's a set timeline. Um, I know a lot of people, especially students, both traditional and non-traditional, feel like <clears throat> there's a specific timeline in which you have to finish things or have to achieve things. But I just want to let you know it is not a race. It's a marathon. Uh, or, or what's the saying? It's not a race. It's a marathon. Right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> at your own pace. Um, I know uh, me being 23, uh, most people say that's that, that's not really considered a, a non-traditional student. Um, but I would say that I'm a non-traditional student because I went directly to the community college. Um, and then I went to my undergrad institution, taking some time off and then uh, pursuing a graduate degree. Um, do not feel like the way that I just mentioned my you know tra trajectory um, is gonna be equal to yours. Um, everyone's trajectory is different. Um, but what matters is that you're doing what you want to do, you're doing what you love, and you, um, whether you want to make an impact in the community or do something else along, along the lines of that, I really highly encourage it. Um, but please reach out to people. I know that that was one of my biggest mistakes. I felt like I could do it by myself, but I could not. Um, people are willing to help you, um, especially, uh, you know, people within the community or, or really are passionate about their work. If they see that you're passionate about your work, uh, they will definitely help you out. There's a lot of dope people in academia, so I highly recommend reaching out to those people as well. That's great. That's really, really um, great advice. Uh, if folks uh, listen to you and resonated with what you said, want to connect in some way, shape, or form, is there a way that they can reach you? Yeah, so uh, through my email, um, it's adrianajaramillo48 at gmail.com. Um, and I also have an Instagram. I'm not, uh, I, I'm kind of on there too doing academic things. Um, it's a dot it's dot J. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have an academic Twitter as well. So right. uh, it's a underscore Jaramillo, but uh, the L, uh, the LLO is actually a 110. So it's a okay. underscore Jaramillo 110. I will ask you for them <laughs> via email <laughs> and I will yeah. add them to the show notes. 
Um, that's great. Yeah. So uh, I just want to thank you for spending some time out of your very busy schedule to be with us, to share your message with the listeners. I know there are going to be several people who are going to be feeling like they're on the same boat as you, either they're applying for the first time or they're reapplying and your message and words of advice are going to be uplifting. So thank you so much. Likewise, I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. Um, huge fan. I, I love your Instagram page. Um, and I hope that we get to reconnect soon about some research things. Um, but other than that, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemtoring at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtoring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcast and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Until next time.